Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. I'm very glad that you are here. This is episode 360, and the title of it is Response to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, episode number eight. I am ensconced in a series that's put out by Christianity Today called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. I've had a number of people ask me about this podcast series, and, well, I didn't know anything about it. I don't follow Christianity Today, not familiar that familiar with their ministry, and don't listen to their podcasts, so forth and so on. And so I couldn't really give an intelligent answer, and so I started listening to this podcast series. And, of course, to do a review, I would listen to the podcast multiple times. I would research the interviewees. I would research their books or their organizations so that I can understand them and try to give somewhat of an articulate and intelligent review of this episode series. As I thought, since I'm doing this much work of due diligence, then I might as well just archive it and make it as a resource so that anyone can listen to it, and that would be just fine. Now, by the way, uh, one of our longtime supporters, Camelia, uh, she talked about the last episode that I did, and she put a comment on a social media platform in, in the public space, and she said this about episode number seven of Christianity Today. This is Life Over Coffee, episode 359. This is the one that she commented on. But Camelia said, you will learn a lot in this episode, 359. I think it helps to define good leadership and bad leadership. Mainly, either a leader has his foundation in, in pride or his foundation in humility, This review is actually better than the actual series because Rick points out the flaws and gives the corrections without gossiping. The actual Mars Hill episodes are a bit fluffy, too. It's like PBS. It says a lot and sort of nothing all at the same time or nothing all at once, Camelia said. Camelia, thank you so much for uh, putting that out there. I appreciate your Uh, encouragement about this series and appreciate your perspective as well. And so if you have, if you want to talk about this series, we do have free community forums and you're welcome to jump on those forums and ask questions about these reviews that I'm doing. Maybe you have something else on your mind. And if you do, that's fine. Uh, Please uh, share those things. And we have a team of folks, including myself, who are quite responsive to our forums. And it would be our pleasure to interact with you about whatever is on your mind. Our goal, honestly, is just to uh, serve you. If you want to read the show notes for this episode, it's episode 360, 360. And it's titled Response to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, Episode 8. Now, in this episode from Christianity Today, they did an interview with Josh Harris, the former Christian. I put the word Christian in quotation marks because, quite honestly, I'm just confused by it all. Once upon a time, he says that he said that he was a Christian, and then later he says he's not a Christian. And I am very comfortable with leaving this in the Lord's hands. Uh, this is a pay grade that's way higher than mine, and there's no way that I could ferret out all the information and and be able to discern what's true and what's false. And so, I, and I'm not not even interested. I mean, I, I care for Josh's soul. Uh, but trying to get into the minutiae of whatever it means to be a Christian, not a Christian, uh, again, that's a pay grade that's higher than mine. So I don't know what Josh's eternal status is at this point. 
but I just put the word Christian in quotation marks because, well, that's where it is, at least on paper. Many of you are familiar with Josh Harris. He wrote the book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. This particular interview by Mike Cosper, the narrator of of this series from Christianity Today, it's an odd digression from the straight line that C.T. has been running about what went wrong with Mars Hill. Now, C.T. did justify interviewing Joshua Harris. It was their way of explaining why they inserted this discussion into a series on Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll. Nevertheless, there is something about it that just feels off topic. It's like writing a biography about Douglas MacArthur and then inserting a chapter on George Patton, one of his contemporaries. It is as though Mike Cosper moved from the rise and fall of Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll to the rise and fall of Josh Harris and Sovereign Grace Ministries. It seemed like it would be better like, hey, just do an entire series on Josh Harris and Sovereign Grace Ministries and that would be fine. But nevertheless, uh, they inserted this inside this long-running series on Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll. Now, their justification is they're talking about celebrity pastors, and Mark Driscoll is a celebrity pastor, and Joshua Harris was a celebrity pastor. So that's the justification, the juxtaposition of Mark Driscoll and Josh Harris. And so nevertheless, that's why this interview with Josh Harris is in the Mars Hill series. Again, just feels a little bit odd to me, but whatever. Now, as far as full disclosure is concerned, I think most of you know this, but for those of you who don't, I do want to say this. Uh, I have a lot of familiarity with uh, Sovereign Grace Ministries. Lucia and, I, Lucia and I first heard of this ministry in 2002. Uh, we liked uh, what we were reading. We also liked the music that they were putting out. And so we gathered with four other families, and we went off-grid, and we just started meeting monthly and then then weekly with really no other agenda but just to enjoy our time together with five families. And then later on, we got the bright idea of just lobbying headquarters and asking them if they had planned a church here in Greenville, South Carolina. Headquarters was Covenant Life Church in Gaithersburg, Maryland. And so we asked, and well, in February of 2003, they sent a church planter. He had planted four churches at that time, I believe. And so they decided to plant one here in Greenville. We had our first public meeting on August the 3rd, 2003, and we were off and running. I later became an associate pastor of that church and and was pastoring for several years and then eventually left that church and also Sovereign Grace Ministries in 2008 because of the sin and the corruption at the local level and also because of things that were going on at the larger ministry level. I have written a few articles about my experience with Sovereign Grace Ministries, which now they call themselves Sovereign Grace Churches, and those there's a couple of links here embedded in these show notes, episode 360, if you want to read them. So I I do want you to know that, again, I did have an association with Sovereign Grace Ministries at one time, and so I do have a lot of familiarity with this particular interview that Mike Cosper does with Josh Harris. Now, he began early on in the interview. He says that, you know, Josh was part of Sovereign Grace, and Sovereign Grace branded itself as friendly and humble. Uh, which sounds like premeditated intent. Uh, I found that statement to be a little off-putting. I don't think Mike meant it that way. 
But when you say you brand yourself, your brand becomes who you becomes who you want to be. That's uh, you say this is my brand, and then you know then we build out from our brand, and so that's like saying we're going to be friendly and humble. And so, okay, so that's our brand. So now let's go be friendly and humble. That sounds like premeditated intent. It sounds like sinful motivation. I, I don't think that was the case at all. Again, I was deeply involved in Sovereign Grace Ministries, and, and I just I wouldn't say it that way, and I've, I would think that that is a misspeak from Mike Cosper. It would be more accurate to say that whatever Sovereign Grace Ministries was and what we became, and we became a it's, – it's a very – arrogant ministry and there's no question about that josh will talk about that in this episode but i would say that we were ignorantly arrogant and those two words aren't antithetical they actually go well together that we were ignorantly arrogant of our unique iteration of the gospel our unique iteration of the gospel is that we were the friendly happy people who were humble that's how it iterated but we were ignorantly arrogant of this. It wasn't a premeditated intent at all. This idea of ignorance and arrogance coming together and forming a psyche, uh, it reminds me of my fundamental independent Baptist days. When I was a fundamental Baptist, which is, I became an independent Baptist right after God regenerated me in 1984, I was very sincere. And I would say that all the folks that I associated with were very sincere. We were sincere. We were ignorantly sincere. We were unaware of how our arrogance, my arrogant legalism reeked to the high heavens. I mean, we had our list. We knew where to go, when to go, why to go, how to go. We knew who to associate with, who not to associate with. We knew what to wear, what not to wear. I mean, we had our list. We had our do's and don'ts, and there was just a stench about us, but we were ignorant of it. And I can think of many moments during my independent fundamental Baptist days of of just uh, things that happened and associations that I had that we were just as sincere as sincere could be, but we were not aware. We were ignorant. And because of our ignorance, we could not perceive how arrogant we were. And and what happened is that you go from the legalism of independent Baptists, and then with Summer Grace Ministries, they had so many gospel hyphenated everything. We were so cross-centered about everything. And, of course, C.J. wrote the book on humility, et cetera. And so it jumped into a whole nother uh, ditch. And I, I would encourage you, if you do have the time, one of the links that I did link uh, up here that I referred to earlier, I talked about a gospel-centered legalism, that we became legalist in a whole nother sense, and it was a blind side. And Joshua talked about in this episode, and he's correct. He's absolutely correct. He said, we were being proud of our humility. It's true. It's true. Sovereign Grace Ministries fell into the trap of arrogant superiority that compared themselves with everyone else. We did, uh, many times in our own hearts in an unspoken way. Sometimes we said the quiet part out loud. We talked about ourselves a lot, and usually it was almost always in comparative-type language or discussions as we compared ourselves with the churches we used to be part of or so forth and so on. We talked about ourselves a lot, and when Joshua Harris met with <laughs> Don Miller, he said, 
Josh was explaining how great we were. And uh, Don said that. He said, wow, you guys really talk about If you're so humble, you really talk about yourself a lot. And when I heard it, I just laughed out loud because it's true. Uh, we, but, but it wasn't premeditated intent, you know, like as Mike Cosper was suggesting that we branded ourselves as friendly and humble. No, we were ignorantly, we were ignorant. We were not self-aware. And then that ignorance led to arrogance and and again, as as Josh says, we were proud of our humility, and and that resonates so much with me because it's 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 so true. It, Paul said it this way in Second Corinthians ten twelve. He says, "Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding." And I would say we were without understanding. We were blind. We were the happy, friendly people. And it just, without the right governance on our hearts, uh, without the right kind of care and accountability, we just we just grew into an arrogant people. And so the first part of the episode was talking about Sovereign Grace Ministries. And then, and, and Josh's association with Sovereign Grace Ministries. But then it began to go into a deeper dive into some of the struggles that Josh has. And I want to wrap up the podcast by just talking briefly about that because there's application here for, for all of us. The two things that ring, that come through in the interview with Josh Harris was the combination of immaturity and ambition. Uh, immaturity and ambition, those are two of the main ingredients that lead to arrogance. Talking about my fundamental Baptist days, obviously I was so immature. I became a Christian in 1984, jumped right into the uh, independent Baptist group. I didn't know anything about anything. And then I was also very ambitious. I mean, just just on fire, just on fire. You couldn't feed me fast enough. You, you couldn't promote me fast enough. And so you take a person who is immature who has ambition, and you mix those things together, it would be very hard not to become an arrogant person because the immaturity won't permit, won't keep you from being arrogant, and the ambition will continue to feed the cravings of your heart. Joshua admitted that he has always been ambitious. I mean, he noted that a lot of his life journey was just selfish ambition. He said, quote, he wanted the acclaim. He wanted the best-selling book. He wanted the security of being in the right camp. And so he was a highly ambitious person, but he was immature. And that was, that's a dangerous juxtaposition. I talked in a earlier episode that when you promote a person too soon, too early, they have a lot of ambition, but it's just another way of of saying they're immature, they're just not ready. And so Josh, like me, had no insight into his heart, had no governor over his heart. And so there was no way for him to diagnose what was really going on in his heart, and there was nobody standing there as a governor saying, stop, like Gandalf, you know, stop, you shall not pass. Josh had free reign to do whatever he wanted, and unfortunately, his enablers were fanning that fire. And so his ambition and his immaturity formed the basis for I kiss daddy and goodbye. 
Nobody spoke into that. His early promotion to the pastorate and his immaturity, again, his ambition and his immaturity were the basis for his first and only pastoral stint. He was in acceleration ministry mode. And so when you take an immature person who is highly ambitious, you're going to write a book that's going to hurt somebody. Uh, You're going to start passing a church that's going to hurt somebody. Now, this is the thing that I found ironic, that Josh is still doing that. He's still highly ambitious, and honestly, he's, he's still immature. Let me give you an illustration. Mike Cosper talked about a lady that uh, Joshua connected with. Her name is Jessica Vanda Weingard, and she's a documentary. She's a film person. She makes films. And so Josh and Jessica got together to discuss making a film on the deconstruction of the purity culture. Well, Josh is a highly ambitious person, and so what he has done since he's left Christianity is that he's just resurfaced, relaunched himself, same ambition, same immaturity. And so with the energy that I put into writing, I guess, Dating Goodbye, I'm going to put the same that damaged so many people. I'm going to put the same energy now. I'm just going to flip that on its head and leverage it for my own success again. And so we're going to do a video on the deconstruction of the purity culture And then in July of 2018, after making the film, after going to so many donors and getting so many thousands of dollars together to make the film, Joshua walked away from his marriage. He walked away from Christianity. And when that happened, the film company did what the film company was supposed to do. They pulled out. And so the the, uh, film uh, never makes it to market. It never makes it. And so now Jessica is left with nothing, no film. Financial donors are left with nothing, no no return on their investment. Joshua is happily just moving along, continuing to be ambitious in his immaturity, building his brand, etc. Nothing has changed. Now, something that's interesting is that – When Mike Cosper was talking about this, rather than digging deeper into Josh as being the common denominator with I Kiss Dating Goodbye and pastoring a church and making a movie, uh, which never came to pass, he positioned this as Jessica hanging her hat on a celebrity and then feeling left disappointed when that celebrity failed. Often in this series, you will hear this. Mike Cosper uh, is an eisegete. He's like a preacher with an idea in search of a text. And one of his ideas that keeps resurfacing is that our penchant to want to be part of or to hang our hat on a celebrity preacher. Rather than judging Jessica for where she hung her hat, she trusted Josh. She defaulted to truth. A guy comes along, he has uh, left Christianity, he has uh, relaunched himself, he, he knows wh- who he is and, and where he's going, what he's all about. And so Jessica believes that, and she hangs her hat on that, not realizing that Josh's immaturity and selfish ambition is still, is still there. 
And everywhere he goes, he leaves brokenness in his wake. But Mike really put the accent mark at this point on Jessica's desire to hang her hat on a celebrity preacher rather than spending adequate time saying, no, this really is about Josh just being an immature person who can't seem to get his life together, but yet he won't decelerate from his own selfish ambition. Josh is like a lot of celebrity pastors and what who fall, and what they need to do is just go get a production job in a plant somewhere rather than continuing to hurt people until he figures out what he wants to be when he grows up. Mike, Mike did not spend adequate time talking about how Josh's ambition and his immaturity continues to drive him while it hurts people. You see this with James McDonald. You see it with Mark Driscoll resurfacing again in Arizona. You see it with Tully and Chavidjan in Florida as well. These celebrity pastors who are driven by immaturity and selfish ambition, when they fall, they resurface someone somewhere else, and they continue to hurt lives. It would be better if Tullian and James and Mark Driscoll and Josh uh, Harris and a half a dozen others, if they just became painters or electricians or carpenters or machine shop uh, machinists in a machine shop, rather than continuing to feed their selfish ambition, born out of an immaturity, because it continues to hurt people. And I would have, it would have been, I would appreciate it if, if Mike Cosper would have spent more time talking about that rather than Jessica's desire. Well, she just wants to hang her hat on a celebrity preacher. I thought that was quite unfair. Not only that, I thought it was very odd and ironic. Mike critiqued Jessica's temptation to hang her hat on a celebrity. At the same time, Mike Cosper took a significant digression in this series to talk to a celebrity that really had nothing to do with the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And so are Mike and CT hanging their hat and hanging their clicks and their likes and their listens and their follows? Are they hanging their hat on a celebrity too? I thought that was a little bit ironic. And then finally, as Josh talked about his problems, his rise and fall. It is interesting that he spent a lot of time, and Mike and Josh spent a lot of time talking about these problems and where they placed the blame and the accent mark on those problems. Josh blamed a lot of his problems on the church culture that shaped him. More accurately, the Sovereign Grace Ministry's way of doing church drew Josh's craving heart from the West Coast to the East Coast and into C.J. Mahaney's basement and later the pulpit of Covenant Life Church. That's two ways of looking at things. Either the church culture shaped me into the person that I am, or my immaturity and my selfish ambition drew me to a particular church culture, and I used that church culture to feed my selfish ambition. I think it's the latter. The church can shape us. External forces can bring shape to our lives, but ultimately, we're not victims to those things. 
uh, we should be able to diagnose our hearts. We should be able to see what makes us tick, and we should be able to to change to where we're more than conquerors, that greater is he that's in us than that which is in the world. And so as you listen to Josh talk, he talked a lot about I became this way, I did these things because the church culture shaped me that way, when in reality it was his craving heart that drew him from the West Coast to the East Coast into C.J.'s Mahaney's basement and eventually into C.J.'s pulpit at Covenant Life Church. James said it this way in 114 and 15. He says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully, fully grown, it brings forth death. My hope is that Josh Harris would see that he's not a victim of C.J. Mahaney. He's not a victim of Covenant Life Church. Yeah, they did bring some shape, but those things would have no power over him if he did not desire them. That's like saying the alcohol made me an alcoholic. Well, if you didn't desire alcohol in the first place, alcohol would have no power over you. As I have said before, you can, you can, if you have no desire for alcohol, you can jump into a swimming pool full of alcohol and swim in it for days and months, and it would have no power over you because you're not, you're not desiring that. And so, yeah, alcohol will shape you, but it starts with your own desire first of wanting it. The church culture did shape Josh Harris to some degree, but his selfish ambition and his maturity is what fed it primarily and first of all. And let me finish on a positive because I've been hitting Mike Cosper over the head uh, pretty heavily uh, throughout this episode. But Mike did astutely draw out Josh's motives uh, at the end by saying that his journey is not the solution, meaning where he's at now, where Josh Harris is now, rebranding, rebuilding, storytelling, so forth, that his new journey is not going to solve his problem because the problem has been sitting in Josh's heart for decades. And I thought that was astute of Mike Cosper to say that. I'm glad he made the point. Though the point does feel buried under a load of misfires and misdirections, Josh seemed not to hear what Mike was saying as he kept his focus on the failures of the church. Now, of course, I'm only listening to part of an interview, and I know how interviews go. There's a lot more said. There's probably more said outside the interview that you hear than the actual interview. And so I would hope that Josh heard this from Mike Cosper, that even in this new journey that Josh is on, I Kiss Dating Goodbye was fed by ambition. Covenant Life Church stint was fed by ambition. And this new journey he is on is fed by ambition. And as Mike Cosper again astutely said, he was trying to draw out Josh's motives by saying that this new journey is not the solution either because the problem has been sitting in your heart for decades. And so that leaves us with a couple of questions I would like for you to think about. How have you responded to your disappointments in your life? Have you placed more focus on the external heat in your life or 
your reaction to those difficult challenges. Now, I don't want to minimize any heat that is in your life in the past or right now. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying that it will not shape you, but there are some things that you can change, and there's some things you can't change. We can't change church culture, but we can change ourselves. But if we sit and say that Well, I am this way because church culture has shaped me, or I am this way because of these things that have happened to me, then we're putting ourselves in a victim mindset, presupposition, worldview, and we will always be victims to those things that have happened to us. I know what it's like, I really do, to to have hard things happen to you. I know what it's like to go through a divorce. I know what it's like to lose your children. I know what it's like to lose two brothers to murder. I know what it's like to have an abusive, uh, a drunk father. But I'm not a victim to those things. And so how have you responded to the disappointments in your life? We want to always acknowledge what happened to us, the things that have uh, come against us, but we want to make sure that the main thing is God working in our hearts and, and giving us proper diagnosis of our hearts so that we can see how to change in spite of those things that have happened to us. And so this is episode in the Life Over Coffee series, episode 360. It's titled A Response to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, episode 8. You're welcome to take a look at these show notes. And again, if you have any questions where you want to talk to us, you can talk about this series that I'm doing or anything that's on your mind, uh, we would love to interact with you. Come to our ministry website, get your username and password, and let's start talking. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.